hey, Jim, look around the room right now. Everyone is here because of you. The moment I heard those words, it changed everything for me. And yet it changed nothing because I truly am what I always felt I was. I'm the connector. That clarity is what brings me to you and what drives this show, the Remote Start Podcast. Here, I connect my lifelong passion for bringing people together with my love of business and branding in hopes that these talks might better connect your community with what your company is all about. So let's figure out your brand. Let's figure out the target audience you want to serve and how we can use these two things to create an incredibly strong community for your business. I'm your host, Jim Doyon. Let's get something started. Remote Start Nation, if you're currently running a business and you're battling with a work-life balance and maybe your family time is suffering, then I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode. In addition to that, today, we're going to be hitting on SEO for your business, what you need to be doing today to make sure that your organic search strategy pays off for you in the future. And let me give you a hint. If it's done properly, SEO can be one of the best forms of converting traffic to your site but you aren't going to see results for a long time. Today, I'm going to be sitting down with Damon Burton. He is the founder and president of SEO National, the author of the best-selling SEO book, Outrank, and someone who I've looked up to as always giving value over making money. I can say that because I've become good friends with Damon over the past eight months. And out of everything I just mentioned above, what I respect about Damon the most is that without a question, he sets the bar for running a successful business without sacrificing family. So with that said, Remote Start Nation, let's get into family, SEO, and all kinds of fun conversation with Damon Burton. Damon, welcome to the show, my man. What's up, Jim? That was such a formal introduction, and um, now I have to put on my serious hat, and I think we have to go back and forth to the serious hat and a friend hat. <laughs> Listen, if I didn't write that out, I wouldn't have been able to say it. Say it. I was so, I was waiting for I was waiting for you to mess up and you you delivered. Good job. <laughs> oh, when you go to sleep the night before the interview and you just say that in your head a hundred times, you just start to get used to it. <laughs> well, thanks for spending the time to make me sound so good. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, remote start nation, I mentioned that David and I have become good friends. And this next question, how I want to start off the podcast. I want to preface it with saying that Damon and I just spent the better half of a week together in Mexico for a mastermind. So with that said, Damon, before we dive into the good stuff here, I just want to know, after spending 24-7 with me for, for four long days, are, are we still friends? Yeah, you know, I, the, I think the, the only answer, to, there's, there's only two answers possible to that. It's either I hate you or it's still the same. So I, I, th I think... <laughs> I think we, I think we came out on the good side on that one. Yeah, no, you, you are the person that I, uh, I knew you as before Mexico and after. So yeah, we're still perfect. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's great. Cause let me tell you when, when, you know, when my, when my family asked, like, you know, where did you go to Mexico? Did you take your wife? Did you go to your family? And I said, no, I slept on my friend's couch. <laughs> like, you know, that feels really good at age 42 to say that. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, dude, freaking hit me up. Hey, man, can I crash on your couch? <laughs> <laughs> no, with that said, though, that kind of leads into your character of, you know, I what was it like over lunch? We're sitting there talking. And I, I said, hey, I'm not going to go to the mastermind because I signed up too late. And, you know, without even question, you just said, dude, I got a room. Why don't you come sleep on the couch? And so, you know, there, there we were. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's true. Yeah. If I can, um, I, I, it's a default probably to a flaw or if I can help, I, um, I, I probably talk faster than I can think. <laughs> I, I, I did warn you. <laughs> I, I did say, you know what you just asked me to do, right? Like, I'm going to take you up on it. Are you sure you want me on your couch? You said, it, yeah, it ended up working come, out. Come it, on. It ended up working out great. I would actually ask you the same thing. Like, I'm glad that we're still talking because um, we don't need to go into details, but like, I, I just like bitched a lot on this trip. <laughs> and then after I got back, I was like, shit. I, uh, I probably set unrealistic expectations on my perspective on life on gym over the last couple of days. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, you know, reflecting on that, I, I would say like my favorite part of that trip was, you know, some of the conversations that you had, you and I had, you know, late night where we were just talking, we were complaining about things, we were talking about things, we were helping each other through things. So no, man, I enjoyed every minute of it. So yeah, yeah. I, it, it was awesome. Good. They were good complaints. It was all about integrity and stuff like that. You know, that how important that is. So they were justified. I'll, I'll yeah. make myself feel better. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, well, dude, let's, you know, let's get into the the nuts and bolts of this, uh, this podcast. I, I want to know first and to help the remote start nation, kind of get a better background of you. Uh, let's talk about your entrepreneurial journey. Love to hear your story, how you started SEO national and kind of go from there, man. Yeah. So I've had the agency for 16 years, uh, stayed in my lane of just SEO. Um, the abbreviated explanation of how I got into it was I, it started out out of kind of passion. Well, at least what led to the agency was I was a big car enthusiast in my twenties. And so I started a, a little car enthusiast community and that started to, to gain a decent audience, you know, thousands of members. It was a forum. And, um, so I started thinking, well, how do I make this better? And that's when I started to look into design and understanding that world of user interface and things like that. And then as, as it continued to the next evolution where it continued, it started growing and growing and growing. And I said, well, how do I monetize this? And so that's how I got in, into marketing. And then after that, I was, we all know somebody that, you know, their friend's brother's dog's cousin that does web design. And I was like, I have for a couple of years and, and just kind of got the expertise under my belt and, and started offering it on the side. And then where it turned into an agency was, um, actually a really interesting story. I was working at, um, the last two employers that I had before I started my agency, uh, both super successful gentlemen. Uh, the first guy though, he was really toxic. So I was the only full-time employee at a part-time secretary and he was doing one to $2 million a month. And I, if I remember right, I got paid twelve fifty an hour. And that was fine. Well, I don't have any complaints about the, the pay gap because at the time, you know, I didn't know any different and thought I was making decent money. And, but, but the toxicity of it, where there was a lack of appreciation for the team and the weight that we carried, you know, one example was it came as the team grew a little bit larger, there was four or five of us. And somebody asked about a, a bonus that was offered. I can't remember if it was a Christmas bonus or an incentivized bonus or whatever, but I was due about 400 bucks. And I didn't complain, um, but somebody down the hall, so I heard the employer and, and this other person getting into it. And then the employer left, came back, and I had my own little office. And he opens the door and just throws the money on the table and goes, there's your bonus and locks out. You know, no, no appreciate what, appreciation whatsoever. Very, very, um, you know, off-putting and, and kind of condescending in, in how he presented it. So it's just things like that. He, he cheated on his wife, would do all these drugs and, 
um, ditched us at a company party to go do cocaine with his friends. Just, you know, it wasn't a good place. So I left. And then when I left that, I had been fortunate enough to build up a reputation for doing a really specific type of landing page design. I, I, did, a, I did a lot of affiliate marketing landing page design. So big ops, government grants, work from home, weight loss, things like that. So there's another guy that came into that space. And so I had, had the opportunity to work for these big whales in the industry. And this guy heard that I left the other guy. And I get a phone call from, in retrospect, somebody that so it was a mutual contact between the two. And he says, hey, I just heard you left so-and-so. Um, are you looking for another job? And I had just taken a random ass job just to be closer to my now wife. And um, I said, yeah, I'd be up for it. He goes, great. This guy's on the other line right now. Can you take a call? <laughs> and so I was like, okay. So the dude gets on and basically it wasn't even an interview. It's like, I know who you are. I know what you do. You want the job. And so I said, yeah, um, because I appreciated that digital space better than my right. random customer service job. And so this guy was in Vegas though, and I'm in Utah and he says, I want you to come and work in Vegas. And I said, that's not going to happen because my wife and I just got married and, you know, we knew kids would be on the horizon in the upcoming years. And I just didn't want to live in Vegas. And so I said, I'm not interested. And he says, all right, well, how about you can work from home and we'll revisit it in a year. And I said, okay, that's fine. So I, that was my first remote job. And I took the opportunity to get in my side hustle and, and my wife at the time worked at a hospital. And she would wake up at like three in the morning to be to work at four. So I'm like, why don't I get up at three in the morning and start working at four? So I would get all of Vegas's company's work done before eight in the morning. Then I had the rest of the day to start understanding design better, working on these side projects. So what had happened now, now that you know that background, fast forward to where it became an agency is that Vegas company, one day I tried to get a hold of them. And this was before um, Slack. And so I was on AOL Instant Messenger and I'm messaging these guys and I couldn't get a hold of anybody, called the office, couldn't get a hold of anybody. And then one of the other remote employees messaged me and said, did you hear? And I said, did I hear what? I can't get a hold of anybody. The Vegas company got raided and shut down by the FTC, the local wow. government, you know, the sheriff's or whatever. Um, what had happened was the guy that ran the company had a civil suit from the company before that and the criminal suit caught up to him. And so when the criminal suit caught up, they started looking into the, the current business and just came down guns ablaze and shut it down. So at that point I had three choices. I finally got a hold of somebody and they said, yeah, you're fine. You know, you'll, you'll still get paid. We'll get through this. And so choice number one was wait to see if I got paid that Friday. Choice number two was assume I won't get paid. Or even if I do get paid, do I still have a job? Go find a new job or three, yeah. go all in on myself and, and take the leap of faith. So I chose three and at the time I had, um, I'd say I was probably making like 55,000 a year combined. It was probably like 30 grand from the day job, 20 something grand on the side hustle. And I, and I did the math and I said, if I cut out that 60% of income, but I free up 80% of my time, can I still pay my bills? Mm. And so of course that sucks to lose that much income, but we didn't have kids. All we had was a mortgage and a car payment. My wife had a job. So we could still put food on the table. So I said, I don't think I'm ever going to get a more calculated risk than that. And so that's when I, I filed the business. Um, and to this day, I've never heard from a single person from that company ever again. Never wow. got my check. Uh -huh. You made the right decision. Yeah. 
And I love how so, while you were building that out, you were also learning and, and doing your side hustle and doing the things that you knew it took, like getting up at, at three when your wife left and, and putting in that, all that extra work. And that obviously ended up being a, a huge, you know, crucial point in, in you starting your business. Yeah. Yeah. The, the dude, uh, got sentenced to 29 and a half years in federal prison. Wow. So I learned so, to not be greedy. Dude, sounds sounds like you worked for some really some real big winners before you started going off on your own. Dude, it was weird. That first guy was toxic. Um, he got a bunch of lawsuits from the state and the government. Somehow he never went to prison or jail. The second guy just had one really big screw up. I actually went to the second guy because he's different than the first guy. He was family first, married his high school sweetheart. I think he had like six kids. Um, and he'd, he'd shut down the meeting when his wife called, you know. Kind of yeah. big time priority towards family. So he was, I think he just made a really big, bad screw up. But in the second company, he he would always get legal counsel and things like that. I think they just had a bone with him on the second company. Yeah. So that kind of leads us into, you know, the main topic I want to go over in this conversation. And, and we'll get into SEO later and the importance of it. And, you know, uh, I, what I really want to talk about is is family. And, you know, become, being friends with you, I, I've, I have such a high level of respect for you. Like for me personally, I feel like I do a pretty good job of putting, you know, my, my personal time and my family time ahead of, you know, business and really being able to separate the two. You know, I, I think just being on the road for two years in an RV with, with my family shows that. But, you know, for, for you, I, when it comes to family, like, I think it's a whole nother level. Like you're, you're I, just a backstory, you know, our, we were introduced through our mutual friend, Michael unbroken from, you know, think unbroken podcast. And so thankfully put us in contact, but I remember we, you know, we went out for lunch, had a great conversation, exchanged numbers. And then I started to ask you about SEO and, and your immediate response was, this phone number is for friends. I'll always, always be available for friends. I'm here, but understand that business has, you know, specific timelines. And when I'm with my family, when it's friend time and family time, it's not business time. And I do that stuck with me. And I, like, that's even something like for me, I never was enabled. I still don't have like those lines drawn. And so I respect that you've done that tremendously. So I tell me a little bit more about, you know, have you always been like that? Is it something that you've just evolved over time to be like, this is how I'm setting aside my family time and, and business comes after, like, help, help me to understand that more. Um, it pro the seed was probably planted from one specific, um, incident and I'll share that in a minute. And, and then I think it evolved. Yeah. And so what, what happened was with that first employer, I, I mentioned, I was at dinner with my wife. It was a Friday. It was after hours. And, um, do you remember the T-Mobile sidekicks? Like when phones first started going smart and had like the flip screen and the keyboard. So yeah. I had a T-Mobile sidekick and I was like, I could put fucking email on this. And so I put like email on it and my employer, uh, I don't know which order it was between call, text and email, but the first one came in and I'm like, I'm not answering. It's, it's Friday and I'm at dinner with my wife. And the second one came in and then the third one came in. Right there at dinner, I deleted email off my phone and I've never had it on since. And so that was, I've had my agency for 16 years. So that had to have been at least 18 years ago. Wow. And 
that that's what planted the seed. And so then um, over time, um, in the beginning of entrepreneurship, you got to make a sale, right? And so sometimes you say yes to people that you really don't want to and things like that. And so over time, you start to realize who abuses communication and who's just needy. You know, even if they're nice, some people are just needy and, and they hit you up unnecessarily and unknowingly. And so I started to be exposed to that as I started to get more and more clients. And there was one client um, specifically, and I'm like, this dude just calls me just to call me. And it's annoying. It's wasting my time. It's not productive. And so I got a separate number. Um, so then I started directing everybody to a business plan. Um, and then a bunch of people still had my, my cell phone and things like that. So I just kind of phased that out over time. And then, uh, then I became very definitive about it. Um, I started adding things into the contract, all the things as an entrepreneur that you dislike, be proactive about them. So hopefully everybody that's listening gets to a point of success where they don't have to say yes. And all the reasons that you want to say no, start putting those in the contract. And so what I started putting in the contract was, we're not available after hours. We're not available on weekends. Don't ask for my cell phone number because you're not going to get it. I'm not available 24-7. I'm not on Facebook Messenger. I, I don't reply to emails instantaneously. You got a 48-hour window that I don't reply. Like all these things where it's like, how can I be most productive and happy? Well, yeah. I don't want to ask for my email 24-7. Put that in the contract, right? So I just started putting everything in there. And what's amazing is a lot of people listening probably are going, shit, that sounds terrifying. That sounds scary to tell clients no, because then if I, right. what if I lose the sale? The complete opposite happens. What happens uh -huh. is they, they go, Damon is a professional and he doesn't want me stepping on his toes because he is such an expert. Am I worth Damon's time? Okay, I'll play by his rules. And so it sets a level of professionalism and expertise in those expectations where I would guess out of, out of every 10 contracts I send, uh, let's go 20 contracts. Out of every 20 contracts I send, I get one complaint, three no comments, but they just sign, and 16 compliments. Awesome. And, and all the compliments are, I have a full page that says reasons not to hire us. And those 16 compliments are on that page. So very much similar to how you said, like, you know, I appreciated that separation when you told me to separate those phone numbers. It's the same thing when people read the contracts. They go, holy shit, I actually appreciate that you set those boundaries. And so it actually yeah. converts more people than it distracts. And the few people it does distract are exactly the people that I, it's intended to distract. And I love that. And it, may, it really, from the start, it's, it's like, okay, cool. I respect Damon because he is so professional. I respect you that you have that into your, into your contract, into, you know, even when you just meet somebody, like all of it is, it's so relevant to keeping it real with not only yourself and what you want to become, but really even the client. Like you're letting them know right from the start that here I am, this is me, take me for who I am or don't work with me. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a win win. Yeah. So for those listening right now, and they're letting their business take over, take over their life, they are constantly strapped to their phone. They don't have that work-life balance. Their family's suffering. 
what 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 are a couple of things that you you'd say like stop doing and or start implementing immediately? All the things you don't want to, like yeah. all the things that you're scared to do, are exactly the things that you need to do. Um, the way that I would approach it is um, is transfer communication with your clients. It's not weird unless you make it weird. Like it's not weird that I tell clients don't call me and you can't have my cell phone because I proactively told them that. But if but if all of a sudden right. they emailed me on a Friday and I had never set those expectations, they're like, I need to talk now. And then I said, oh, sorry, you're in an emergency, but I'm not going to bother talking to you right now. Then it's weird. So the power is in the proactive transparency. Now, where if you're having to reverse engineer this into existing operations, it still boils down to transparency. And I would use what I call a compliment sandwich. So a compliment sandwich is something nice, get to the point, and with something nice. And so I would say something, you know, whether it's an email or don't do a text because you're not going to be sending a text going, hey, I want to stop texting. Here's a text about me not wanting to text anymore. So however you prefer to communicate, choose that channel and send out the update. So let's just assume it's an email. So I'd send an email and the first compliment would be like, hey, everybody, individual person, however you address it, um, I really like working with you and I'm excited to see where things are going to go. I'm doing all these cool things. And part of that, then here comes the, the meat in the middle, is me prioritizing time so I can work more efficiently. I'm going to start setting boundaries and here's the rules of engagement and then end with a compliment sandwich. I really appreciate your support in this and I'm excited to see how I can help take you to the next level as a result of this. That's not weird at all. But now you have the foundation and, and you're, you know, you've dropped your breadcrumbs that you can reference back and, and always go, hey, you know, remember that thing back then? So that's the other yeah. part is be really clear about what you want in the engagements because once you set those expectations, those are the rules of engagement that they're going to follow. So take your time to decide how, how you want that engagement to be. Cause once you set those expectations, you don't want to backtrack on it and they go, oh, no, 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 I didn't, I, I didn't mean it that way or what I really meant is this way. So just take time to figure out what's going to make you happy and what stereo of life and then put those as the rules of engagement in your contract. I love that. So if it's something that you're already. If you are already working with somebody and they're not used to you having your boundaries. That compliment sandwich, I think, is a really good way to to put that forth and let them know. For new clients, you know, putting it in the contract, I think that's yeah, it's you're setting it right from the start. Yeah, and if you, if any of the listeners want an example, just go to my Facebook or LinkedIn and just search con- contract posts posts that have the word contract by author Damon Burton, and I, I talk about this all the time. There's a copy of that reasons not to hire us that you can take and use as a reference to go, oh, okay, here's inspiration for how I can take those concepts and apply them to my world. That's you, you said something earlier that I want to kind of go back to and reference. You said that since that time at dinner, you deleted email off your phone. Did you say that you haven't had email on your phone since? That's incredible. So how, what does your schedule look like? Like, do you set up a certain amount of time every day just to look at your email or like, how does that work? I go once a day and, um, the time varies. Um, I've tried mornings, I've tried nights and then uh, I don't have a schedule on it now, but it's still once a day. Um, so it largely depends on my energy and my mood because it depends on, uh, you know, what's in the pipeline and, you know, you can kind of get the sixth sense of opening Pandora's box. And so it's like, if, if there's a lot of cool shit going on and we've got a bunch of cool projects and I'll probably open email, you know, midday. Uh, but if there's like, 
bunch of launches and, you know, technical things. And I'm going to have to go, um, kind of coordinate things and it's more mental fatigue and I'll just save it for the end of the day. And, and so I'll check it, you know, 4 PM, spend 20 minutes, just fly through it. And then I'm done with the day. So I'll just kind of time it based on my energy. Like, okay, if I check it now, will that increase my productivity or, or will it yeah. decrease my productivity afterwards? But I only check it once a day. So I've turned off the automatic send and receive so that that way when i go in my inbox i don't see everything like if i have to send mm. something i don't want to go in and then if you have automatic send and receive on like let's say i need to go send jim an email then i open up my email and then i see everything and i'm like oh shit now i gotta read that and i gotta reply to that i turn that off and so that way when i go in there there's nothing and i can send as many emails as i want and then i can go back and work on whatever i was working on and then when i'm ready i go in and i manually push that button Wow. Okay. I like that. That's good advice. Do you, what does your schedule look like? Like, again, this is tied back to family. So I'm trying to figure out how do you, how are you managing this big agency, running this big agency and also spending all this time with your family? Um, I get up at five and we were talking, we've talked about this a couple of times. I'm, I'm not a morning person, but um, here's why I get up at five is is I, I want the extra productivity. And so I need a window to do that extra productivity. And so that's either, it's generally either, either mornings or nights, but because of family, like the kids may be up late and that could be time that I could spend with them, but they will never be up at 5 a.m. So I get up yeah. at 5 a.m. to get in that extra time. So I usually have between five and seven to myself. Um, what I do in that time is either one of two things. I kind of go in cycles. Uh, ideally, I work out first because if I don't then I just get caught up in the day and it doesn't happen uh, but but the reason why it's hard for me and I go in cycles is because I actually like going straight to work because if I knock something out then it sets the the momentum for the day like if I can hurry and bust something out in 30 minutes then it's that and be productive I'm going to be more productive through the rest of the day so it's it's kind of hard mm. for me so the middle ground I try to do is uh, is I sit straight down and I'll probably work for 30, 40 minutes. And then I'm like, okay, go get your freaking workout done. We're going to do it. So then yeah. I'll go uh, work out for a little bit. And, and then whatever time's left between when my kids wake up, then I'll just go back to work and get a couple extra things done. Then I block off on my calendar. Uh, so I block off from about 7.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. So as I send out my calendar, clients can't get on that time. Um, and I blocked that off as a family block. So whether the kids wake up at 7.30 or 8 or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's blocked off and I don't have any phone calls. And so then I can hang out with them before they go to school. I can walk them to school, whatever. And then I do the same thing in the afternoon. I block off about 3 to 4 p.m. And that way I can go with my wife to pick them up or walk to school and walk them back, whatever. So I have these like blocked out windows that no matter what, you can't get on the schedule. And then what I also, so then everything in between is, is obviously work. So between nine and three is work. And then when I hang out with them from three to four, sometimes I'll go back to work and work for one more hour from four to five. Um, but five o'clock it's done. You know, I, I go over quite a bit by half 30 minutes or so, but I try yeah. to start shutting down at five. Um, but other than that, I'm, I'm done. Weekends I don't work. Um, you know, I tried to, before we had kids, I really tried to, I remember sitting in my living room before we had kids and I said, I need to grind this out now so I'm not obligated to do it later. 
I still do it a lot because entrepreneurship is my hobby. Like I like the time spent on being productive, um, but I also want to be a father that my kids can be proud of. And so I always force myself to not be selfish and and dabble in the entrepreneurship hobby world and, and kind of set those those boundaries. Same thing on phones. Our, our uh, phone system shut off at five. They're completely off on the weekend. So there's literally no way a client can get a hold of me. They don't have my cell phone number. I'm checked out on the weekends. I'm not checking emails. Uh, and, and that's all in the contract. So nobody's surprised. And I know from just knowing you personally, like a, you do a lot of proactive communication with your clients too, which I think helps. And that's something that, you know, I, if you're, if you're setting the, again, setting the expectations, you're doing the, the, the job of being ahead of any situation that could happen. Your clients really shouldn't need to get a hold of you, right? Yeah, no, that's, I'm glad you asked that because, um, the expectations are super important in the ways we've talked about, but there's other ways too, that, that are a good point. Um, everybody hears, sees, internalizes things differently. So the way that I set expectations is I find different ways to say the same thing. So like when we're in a lead call, I, I set those rules of engagement. When I send the contract we've talked about in there are the rules of engagement. When they sign, one of the first emails we send is, hey, look forward to working with you. Don't forget, here's the rules of engagement. And so we send it in an email. But then I also print a physical welcome kit that is largely the same stuff in a compliment sandwich format where it's like, we're really excited to work with you. And here's this fancy gold envelope that looks cool and makes everybody feel special. And then I put in a copy of my book and, you know, sign it and something personal. But really the goal is to re-deliver the expectations again. So now they've had it three times virtually and then one physically printed version. Uh, and as I've introduced different ways of saying the same thing, it's closed the gap. So every time I have something that engaged in a way that I didn't want to, I go, how do I plug that gap next time? And so that's what's created the different versions of saying the same thing is, is I realize, like with the printed welcome kits, I realized, well, some people probably see the emails and just hit delete. So how do I get it in their hand? And then I yeah. started doing that and then I'm like, well, a letter is boring. So how do I make it attractive? So now I put it in a gold envelope. So I'm always looking for ways every time I have any sort of resistance or something that didn't go exactly the way I want. I go, how do I tweak it for next time? I, I love that. I want to get into SEO here before we run out of time. But one thing I, I want to hit on before that, it, you know, something you do in your personal life with your family that I think is such a good way that other entrepreneurs out there can can really focus. And I'm going to try to do this more this this year with my kids. But you do your one day where you take everybody in your family, you, you'll go on a, a one day trip with them, with your kids and you'll take them somewhere special and fly them somewhere. And <clears throat> dude, to me, I think that's so cool. Like, I think that's such a great way to remind like, yeah, we're a family, but in that moment, it's like, Hey, remember you're special and you get to spend this, this one-on-one -on -one time with dad. So I want to compliment you on that first of all, but second of all, where like, is that, is there a process to that? Like, how do you do that? If I'm, if I'm trying to set it up with my family, what can I, how can I follow Damon Burton to level a success yeah. there? Yeah. Um, uh, so I have three kids and so I, I just rotate through them. I don't have a specific time frame. Um, I travel a lot largely just because I like the distraction. I, I like getting out of home. And so 
I'm fortunate enough to kind of go frequently anyway or have the desire to. So then I just incorporate the kids into it. And so I'll ask my kids and, and I try to align it and I try not to pick the location for them and, and I let them choose. So, you know, my eight year old, um, his was probably one of the funniest ones. And so I've been doing this for a couple of years and then, um, I, I generally go, okay, where's somewhere that's within like a two hour flight? Because it just, it's a lot harder if it's like a five hour flight to take it in an overnight. So sometimes we'll do two nights, but I try to just get in one night because I, while I want to spend the one-on-one time, I also don't want to miss the weekend with the rest of the family. So, um, last year, well, two years ago, my eight-year-old kept saying, dad, I want to go to New York. Uh, and I'm like, okay, well, sure, maybe. And I just kind of brushed it off. I'm like, New York's too far for an overnight trip. And then he asked again a couple weeks later, and I'm like, okay, I guess I need to th- start thinking about this. And he again and again and again. And, fun- and then I'm like, there's got to be a reason why he's asking. So I asked him and I said, are you asking about New York? Because that's where Kevin and Home Alone 2 went. And he says, yeah, <laughs> I really want to go. Because he loves Home Alone. So I yeah. said, now I got to go to New York. Because now there's a reason, right? And that's yeah. the whole the whole point is, like you said, to make it feel special and make it be memorable. And so um, I try to let them pick. Um We've done San Diego a ton because it's like a 90 minute flight. Um, I love the beach, the sunshine and the nice weather. Uh, we've done a bunch of Vegas rounds. That's where we've been the last 60 days. I've been to Vegas two or three times because my oldest, we ended up going there because he's getting into malls. He's 12 and you know, there's only a mall or two around where I'm at and he wanted to see more. And so I was like, well, Vegas has a lot and you want to go to Vegas because that's close and we can get there quickly and spend some time together. And he said, yeah. So we went to Vegas, but then after he, while we were there, um, to, to try and add to the, the memorability sometimes, uh, depending on the supply and demand of the location we're going, I'll do something else. So in Vegas, you can get really cool cars for cheap. So we ran in a McLaren. So then we're riding around in a McLaren and then, um, eight year old bro saw what 12 year old bro did. And so now he wants to go to Vegas and get a McLaren. So we literally <laughs> went and did the exact same trip, the same stores, the same car. And then now my five-year-old daughter's like, dad, can we, can I go and get a, in a, she calls convertibles Camaros. <laughs> so she's like, can we go to Vegas and get a Camaro? And so uh, I, I kind of let them, if they don't know where they go, I ask them what they want to do and then I'll yeah. connect the dots. Um, so I don't have, I don't have a time frame. I just go in order of the kids. So nobody feels like somebody double dipped or anything like that. Tends to average, um, maybe every six to eight weeks, I'm taking one of them somewhere. That's so cool. And do you feel like when you got get back as a family, do, do you just feel that connection that much more, that bond that much closer? Yeah, because one thing that I realized, I didn't realize in advance, but I realized in retrospect is I did it just because I wanted to spend um, time with them. But then you realize when you compare one-on-one trips to family trips, they are completely different. Like when you're on a family trip, it's fun and all, but kids are fighting and you know you, everybody's getting annoyed with each other by the fifth day and like they are not often not as enjoyable like a one or two day trip is amazing because you get in and i'll do one i'll do overnight trips um i'll do what i call day trips just by myself i'll catch a 6 a.m flight to san diego and then i want to get back to my wife or kids and i'll catch a 6 p.m flight back and just getting out and, and just spending that one-on-one time or with my kids like it's so much more one-on-one that i I started to be able to quantify and go, oh my gosh, there was no fighting for like 36 hours. Yeah. 
And so like, there's all these other little small components that just add to the uniqueness of just the one-on-one kind of thing. That's awesome. Well, I know I could sit, honestly sit here and talk to you for another hour just on family and, and spending time and, and, you know, that whole work life balance, but let's get into SEO for a little bit here for the last uh, 10 minutes of the show. So number one, break down SEO for us. Like, like more importantly, like break it down. Why is it so important as a business? Why do we have to have SEO on our website? Yeah. So SEO stands for search engine optimization. The goal is your website shows higher on search engines for targeted traffic, but without paying for ads. Um, so I'm not a marketer that like throws rocks at other forms of advertising. They all have their time and place, but, but there are certainly advantages and disadvantages to all forms, including SEO. The, the main disadvantage that you kind of touched on briefly is it tends to take longer to ramp up than other forms, but that's also cool because it hockey sticks. So if you do paid ads, it's incremental increases and sometimes decreases over time, but, but it's not like a, a substantial exponential increase or decrease one or the other, but SEO is is, you know, kind of flat for several months and then it just hockey sticks. And so the other nice thing is like when you're doing paid ads, paid ads are cool because you instantly start doing them and you, you can more often than not get data quicker and, and tweak and adjust and, and start monetizing it quicker. But the profit margins are smaller because you have dollars that go out. And then the other nice thing about SEO is that you, you, you own a compounding impact. It's like with paid ads, the moment you turn off your ads, there is nothing to show for it. But with SEL, you're building a brand, you're building awareness, you're creating content that stays on your website and you own that asset. So certainly in theory, Google could go away, but then there's still all these other search engines, but obviously Google's not going away anytime soon. So you own the asset and, and there's compounding value because as you continue um, to, to add to the content and build up the expertise, then you have a bigger reach. And then it's kind of the chicken and the egg where it's like, once you've proven your value, then you just get the benefit of the doubt. Google gives you more value. So there's just this massive compounding effect to it. Uh, and maybe the last comment I'll add is there was a really cool study by a company called Conductor a couple of years ago. And for as cool as paid ads are, um, they, they kind of did a survey or looked at data across all these different types of marketing channels. So paid email, whatever, and it may vary by industry, but as a whole, as an average in the study, paid traffic was only 6% of the pie and organic as source to lead or source to sell was 64%. Wow. It was a huge chunk. So if you're doing awesome and paid ads, keep doing that. But there's just so much money being left on the table with organic. And it's probably a, a, a one-two combo where if you're doing great with paid ads, that's that's awesome. Keep doing it. But at the same time, start putting all the things that are necessary into into organic you know, content, right? Yeah. One cool thing about organic is so paid ads doesn't influence organic, but our SEO does influence paid because part when you do paid, aside from the budget, Part of what your cost per click is based on is your ad quality score. And a couple of things that that applies to is one is your content relevance. So what does the ad say based to the copywriting relative to copywriting of the paid, the destination page you're sending them. So through SEO, you're increasing your content relevance. So therefore it increases the value of the ad quality score. But then the other thing that's cool is through the process of SEO, you're improving user experience and page feed and mobile friendliness. 
that's also part of the ad quality score. So we've had some clients where they hire us for SEO, but the amount of cost per click savings that we drive uh, coincidentally for their paid ads out of the gates pays for their SEO costs. And then all the rest of the actual SEO intentionality is just free money. Wow. So I know we've talked, you and I have talked about how long SEO takes, like realistically for someone jumping into SEO, like what should they expect? What kind of time frame? You talk about a hockey stick where it just all of a sudden starts going up. What, what's that time frame? There is a lot of truth to people saying one year. The, the reason why SEOs screw that up though is they don't explain why one year. Uh, so but when, I'll give you like an average rollout for, for a client that we might launch. The, the first 60 days is, is just fixing the site structure and digging into data and going, where's the money? Where's the buyers? Where's the audience? And then what keywords are going after? And once we know what those keywords are, what content can we create to support those keywords? So the first 60 days are just research if you want to do it right. Then after that, it's, it's the big content machine. So then it takes time to accrue that content and create that compounding effect. So that's why SEO generally takes longer is because you got to dig in the data and start to figure out the strategy and then map out the content play. Um, but the, the amount of time is going to take, it, it's going to take is based on three things. So one is how good or bad is the website to begin with? Like, are you launching a website that's has a high uh, likelihood of being optimized because it's on WordPress or Shopify, or is it going to be more complicated because it's outdated? Or there is some truth that like GoDaddy's builder and Wix builder are harder to optimize. And I won't bore you with the reasons, but depending on that, that could make things take longer. So the first thing is the, the back end. The second thing is how competitive is the industry as a whole? Like real estate is super competitive. So are you going in a real estate market or are you selling this random niche widget that there's way less competition? So the more competition, the more aggressive you got to be, the more time it's going to take. And then kind of the last component is geographical qualifiers. So are you doing SEO for a city or are you going after a state or is this a national target or an international target? Yeah. So depending on those three things, it could take, um, you know, longer time. If, if you're in a heavy competitive industry and it's international, you could be looking at two, three years before you even break even. Uh, but in general, it, you know, you want to kind of mentally commit to at least a year. Okay, cool. That's good to know. What's what's one thing that somebody in a startup business, you know, they're just launching, like what's something they need to be thinking about today for SEO? Like, is there anything they can do, even if they don't want to go commit to going through an agency or whatever, like something that they can do to make sure that they're set up properly for SEO? All of the, so out of those, um, so there's, there's a, a three, another three. So where you get your results are on your site structure, your content and your credibility. So most of your gains are going to come from your content play and then your credibility, which is basically like PR or other people talking about linking to your brand. Um, but those will only be effective if your website is built properly. So you kind of need two things. One is to have a, a website that's not crap. So okay. take the time to invest in a solidly built website. Once that's done, that's kind of one of it. It's like building a house, right? You got your foundation done and then you don't really have to look at it again. And it's, you know, it's just there. Then you build all the yeah. big stuff on top of it. So after that, if you're new to SEO or you don't want to hire an agency and you want to see how far you can take it on your own, focus on content. Like you're in a business for a reason. You're an expert at something. You're passionate about something. So do selfie videos and then just talk about the thing and why you love it. Then take that selfie video 
and transcribe it. There's programs like Rev or Descript where you can drop the video or audio file in and it'll convert it to text. It'll extract the text out of there. There you go. You have a 90% written blog. Just take an extra 10 minutes and polish it up. So you can really just go content heavy and just ramble on video and share your expertise and then formalize it into a blog. Awesome. Well, I know we're, uh, we're both pressed for time here. So I want to ask you one more question. And, but before that, let people know, let the remote start know, where can they find you to learn more about you? Where can they find, you know, the, the agency? So if they're interested in SEO, they can reach out to you. What's, what's the process there and where can they find you? Yeah. E easiest way would just be damonburton.com on there. It's got the links to my free book. It's got my social media handles, everything. Awesome. The last question for you today, if there's one thing that you want to make sure that entrepreneurs leave after listening to this podcast and it sticks with them or something that they need to implement immediately, what would that be? Oh man, probably the thing that comes to mind is um, don't, don't get caught up in what everybody else does, right? Um, I think a lot of what we talked about is um, happiness with family, happiness with business, um, happiness with yourself. And, and if you look at what the common denominator among all of those are, is that I chose to not care what the norm is and just go, I don't want to do business with these people or here's the rules of engagement. And so I just defined it. And so, um, I think as entrepreneurs, we, we too often get caught up in what the standard is or the assumed norm is. And if you just completely remove yourself from that and go, you know, I would really like to do business this way. That's probably the way you should do business. That's awesome. That's great advice. Damon, it's been a pleasure, my man. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I, uh, dude, I'm, I'm stoked that I uh, got to know you and Mexico is awesome. And for, to have you on the podcast as well, it's been, it's been an honor, dude. Yeah, no, likewise. Thanks for the invite. And I, I enjoyed Mexico. I'm glad we're still homies. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Remote Start Nation, I hope you learned as much as I did from Damon today. From the bottom of my heart, thank you all for joining us on this journey as we help you to start a business, build a brand, and live your desired lifestyle. Remember, leave a comment, subscribe, and share this episode with your community who you think could learn from you or from what you heard today. So until next time, go start something, start it today, and go build the lifestyle you desire by taking action. We've come to the end of another episode. I want to thank you for allowing me to share my passion of bringing people together through business and branding in hopes to connect you with your community. I'd also like to thank our sponsor, Woodward Movement, the leader in brand identity, branded merchandise, and brand delivery. Check out our remotestartpodcast.com for more episodes and our social channels to join the conversation, access show notes, and discover our fantastic free resources to help you build a strong community for your business. I'm Jim Doyon. Thank you for connecting.